Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Welcome to another episode of the GAF podcast. Very excited. I've got Scott Young here from Altus Financial Group. Now, Scott and I have been associates for a few years now. We were working with a mutual client when I met Scott, and I went, typically I'm not that impressed by some accountants. But I was <laughs> impressed with you, young man. Good to have you on the, on the show, mate. Likewise, Pete. Looking forward to it. Great, mate. Now, listen, for everybody out there listening, give us a bit of a background to Altus. I think you've got 100 staff, accounting, business, wealth management, fully integrated, Give us that, that, like, that's an amazing business. Give us some background on how, how that came to be. Yeah, no problem, Fitz. Look, um, the firm was actually founded about 30 years ago, and, and the two founders basically worked in the business up to about the last 12 or 18 months. Um, I, I've been with the business for 16 years now, um, and, and I'm currently the managing director of the business, which is a role I'm still learning, but, but, but really enjoying and, and evolving as I get to develop my own skill set into the next stage. So the firm has 100 staff, um, primarily, well, New South Wales, Sydney-based, focused upon uh, private families and private business owners. We have a deep expertise in relation to the wealth management, um, holistic service offering around those private families, but also we actually are really building out a detailed capability set in relation to not just fulfilling um, the services of compliance and accounting for business owners, but more importantly, trying to help partner them along their strategic plan, okay? And even in the last 12 or 18 months, started to build out a whole business analytics division, which is trying to really surface data to then help these SME business owners understand their businesses even more intimately to then make the right decisions as a management team moving forward. Well, wow. there's there's so much to unpack back there. <laughs> in a few seconds. Take me back about your transition from being on the tools to managing partner. Yeah, look, uh, great question, Fitz. And and to be honest, just caught up with someone this morning, Roy, who was who was one of the founders and the XMD of the business until about two years ago, two and a bit years ago. Um, and we were actually talking about this, and and it, and it isn't easy. So we're still learning this as as we go along. Um, we didn't put in place any clear boundaries around it. We did say around reducing the type of clients you work on and also making sure that you don't take on any new relationships. But this what we've had to do is then reinvest into the capability set of the other people on the client team and then really try and now coach a lot of clients to go to the client team members along it. Now, uh, we're along that journey. I actually said into the new year, I probably need to accelerate this a bit further, okay, so that I can now shift more of my time across to um, running and operating and growing the business as opposed to being client-facing. So it's still transitionary. We've got a path. It wasn't, it wasn't clearly, you know, it wasn't like within 12 months you need to stop servicing clients. And look, it just, just on that point, we actually spoke about that this morning. My view may not be shared by everyone is, is I still think you need to have a portfolio of clients that you are servicing. Um, it keeps you, you know, on the battlefield with your advisors, sure. keeps, you in the, 
keeps you on the pointy end of themes coming through about client experience, client demands, um, and, and really making sure that the business is continuing to evolve but also meet those things. But I just think your portfolio needs to be reduced, right? So it's far more focused and deliberate. But it's a separate set of skills, isn't it, that you take on? And, and no one teaches you these skills. You might get mentored along the way, but you really, you know, you've, quite often you've got to find your own pathway. I think that's completely true. And to be, to be honest, it, it's sort of this out of sight, out of mind. And I probably didn't fully appreciate until stepping into the shoes, yep. the complexity involved in, in what is really managing what I think, well, really managing professionals. And then, then obviously managing how those professionals connect will work, connect with each other and then connect with their clients. Um, and it's only been, and, and I say this to Roy, I probably, I, I was running a portfolio and there's a whole lot of things that just they, the, the advisors just say, oh, well, that just gets done. But it is far more complex and it is a different skill set. To me, it is an important skill set. Yeah. I- so whilst I'm on that theme, I'm going to take you now from, you know, uh, when I look at your role in that business, you know, you're a leader in the business, you know, the front point. But you're, and I say this with all sincerity, mate, you're a leader worth following. And what I'm interested in is, did you do some leadership training? Did you, or was this evolved from management? Where did this come about from? Yeah, look, good, good question, Fitz. And, and thank you for sharing that. Look, I've had to go on my own development journey personally, okay? Um, and look, I, I love the profession is the first thing. Okay, so I'm deeply passionate about the industry and what advisors do. Okay, I think we do noble work and I believe that we uh, advisors across all professions deliver incredible value for their clients and the vast majority of them are very good people. So I've always loved working in the profession. So it helps to be passionate about something because then you're involved, you're in it. And there wouldn't be anything else that I'd rather do. Um, To be honest, and this is me being completely transparent with you, (laughs) listeners, um, about five or six years ago, I got some feedback that was was, I was going down a pathway that was was the wrong pathway, okay? I thought leadership was, you know, grab the bat and run out there, you know, uh, hunt as big as you can, come back and go, hey, this ain't too hard, come on, get on with it, what's wrong with all of you, right? That wasn't what it was um, and I think this continues to shift and change and for good things you know I started in the industry in a, an environment where when you made a mistake um, you're out in the um, ball pit and then the partner would come along and say mate see this you know that's called a typo never do it again or you'll pack your bags and see out in front of all your mates baseball right? bad approach yep baseball bad approach now 20 years on I think it's a very good um, that that's no longer tolerated and it's acceptable right so um, so then I had to ask myself all right, what is it that I, where do I want to play um, and why is it I want to play there? And then I had to say, well, what are the skills I need to develop and what do I think is the best way that I can um, get the best out of others, okay? Um, so then I had to equally write down myself, what are the things I need to stop doing <laughs> and yep. what are the things I need to do more? What do you need to start, yep. start doing? And then learn as you go and also then just have a list of sort of non-negotiables for me. So when I when I took on the role, I actually had a list of sort of non-negotiables, you know, and not really non-negotiables. It was it was a bit like it was actually worded in a way um, to the board, but then to the executive team is look, my um, this is my promise to you, and this was my ask, you know, and and that was a nice grounding, and it sort of spoke about you know the business the business had been successful and it had gone through um, one leader for for twenty five years. 
you know, and and I had to acknowledge the fact that I'm not going to just step into those shoes immediately tomorrow and I'm still learning, right, but what I need is the support of all of you to be able to do it, right? And what we've found two years on from that is that we, we are tight as a team and then what we're trying to do is be tighter as a business. Right. Did you take on any mentoring or or leadership training formal or this is just learned on the on the on the road so to speak um i've been very fortunate that um i've had access to professionals and done courses and that otherwise i haven't i have not done any tertiary qualifications since finishing my ca as of 17 years ago yeah. um what I've had the ability to do is I have a really good network of other managing directors and a community that I do call upon and share a lot with. And I've also, I've got deep connection with many of my clients who, because of a consulting role and seeing them along their journeys, I've observed and learned. So then I've tried to just extract as much of this through people like you, Fitz, and others to try and put it into my toolkit to then more practically apply it. So um, I've read a lot. I don't, I don't know if this really answers the question, but I've more, I've more observed and taken on board the good from the people that I work with and then tried to use that or trial it. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. So how are you thinking about it? How are you thinking about your business now just from a leadership perspective for the next 12 months? Well, sorry, hang on. Let me just take you back. How did you go through COVID? Uh, we, uh, COVID, no, we did really well. Um, so, so we had a couple of things. So we, we had a tech stack that was always um, built to be very robust, okay? So we, we unplugged and plugged people in, you know, same day, next day. Yep. So the seamless of their experience was very good. We actually grew through that period and we actually not, we onboarded new talent through that period and, and, and touch wood, yeah, we, we didn't lose a lot. So we actually grew through it. Um, but, but what I think on the other side of it now We've probably learned and observed a number of things that we're trying to now take all the good, but also have seen have seen some some bad habits form that we're trying to now on the other side of Christmas. We've started putting in these pillars of things that we just think are not sustainable practices, work habits, or mentalities, and trying to iron those out. Alluding to everyone wants to work from home. Uh, no, I think the flexible work bit is actually is a good thing, but it's a balanced approach. The, the, probably. Sorry, where have you landed on that? Uh, we have a good question. We actually haven't got. We didn't implement a formal policy. Yep. We've let teams decide how they work, where they want to work. Um, we're tracking the data now because we've new, moved into new premises. It seems to be most people have found three or four days in the in the office. Yep. We're not enforcing it. Um, we're 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 just seeing that that's where they land. The, the number one thing fits that we probably have now observed that people have forgotten is coaching. And, and, and more importantly, um, what we observed through that COVID period is our people that already were equipped and had the skills survived well. Our new people that had come on board that had to still learn and learn quickly, they were getting lost, right? Yeah. And, and it seems that what's happened is I think this coach, the role of everyone's a coach, and that, that industry, the industry has been built on this, you know, when the day I started, you're a cadet, then you become an undergraduate, then you become a graduate. And then, but someone was always mentoring and coaching you along your career journey. Yep. Um, I think we sort of lost that a little bit. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yeah. So we're just, we're just dusting that back off yep. and, 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 and looking at that into next year. Yeah. So what was, give me the flow of a typical week for you. Yeah, um, I try and do Mondays. Mondays, I try and make sure is dedicated internally to the business. 
Okay, so I have I have a number of key meetings, and I and we have quite I have quite structured months. Okay, I actually have quite structured years to be honest. But um, Mondays is normally internally. Okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is really either the, the, trying to make sure that it's it's people it's it's key people and clients. Yeah, so I try and do two by two. Yep. Okay, in every client interaction. Okay, Fridays, I try and do, it's one of the things I've taken from Craney, I try and make, and yourself, it's my, a little bit of green and it's my black. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I've tried to put that structure in play and it seems to be working quite well, quite tell, well now. Tell us about your green and black. Yeah, green. Um, so green is um, I try and make sure that I drop off or pick up the kids on the Friday. Yep. Okay. I, I run pretty long days, you know, and, and it's sometimes travel, sometimes whatever is inside, outside. I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate to have a very supportive wife. So my oh, Fridays. Got the, thank goodness you said that. Okay, she's listening. Uh, That's great. Like you, need, you need it. You've got to have a good support network around you, right? Um, and I'm very fortunate on that. Um, so the green's that, and the black is trying to really make sure I don't have any meetings on that day. I actually try and I push them and no um it's me trying to look at um 24 months 36 months down the track you know what what is it as a business we're missing what is it in our positioning what is it in our client experience you know what are the projects that we need to try and work on down looking over the hill perfect future thinking future services great I love it yeah so if you ask me I probably need to drop one of those middle days and fill that with black again, or uh, black's probably okay. Probably more more people internally with the business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trying. Yeah. I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably at about one. I'm probably am getting back half a day. Probably needs to be one another half to one in there. Yeah. Great. I love the way that you're organised around that and you're thinking about that. Now, listen. Let's go to your recent trip to the USA on a study tour. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued about that. Give us a little bit of background and what you saw and what you liked or what you didn't like and what you think you'll bring back to the business. Yeah, great. And look, very timely. I actually just shared some slides with the executive team and also one of the divisions yesterday. Um, so I was very fortunate to, again, I had a, uh, went over there about four and a half years ago. It's organised by um, Macquarie Bank, right, but there's about uh, 14, 15 member firms that head along together, okay, Um we go for two weeks. We go to New York, into LA, and into San Fran. So part of it is really trying. There's there's a couple of things. It's looking at themes and trends that are coming across the industry. Okay, going and look at high performing advice businesses, and then in the back end, more broadening your mind about what's potentially possible. How you scale teams by looking at things like Stanford University, um, Google, and, and and other things. So. Um, my key snippets to probably share yeah. is um, I, I think the industry, um, well, the views over, the, and, and, and look, the thing that's normally a trend is that they're normally two, three years ahead of us in relation to themes and trends. Um, probably theme number one, um, this called it um, the most valuable real estate in the industry, they said, is, is the business that has deep connection and relationship with the clients and then matches them with the product manufacturers. Right. So they said the race has always been that people thought um, digital advice businesses and robo advice businesses were going to get there. What they've found out is they're not and they're all going broke and they're actually, the, the, the race is actually begun, coming for the real estate, which is a great thing for advice businesses to know. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Um, so this is going to heat up 
and and it's already accelerating over there. This 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 idea of scale has changed. You know, they're thinking of that is that one billion used to be what they called scale. It's now four or five. You know, you thought you had a big business at thirty or forty people. Now you know you're only you know you've got a ticket to the game at a hundred. Right. So, and that's because of a couple of things. The complexity of the client's needs continues to change. Okay. The pace of change is accelerating, not decelerating. And the war on talent is real. And that generation of people want something different to what their future generations want. Okay. Um, the technology stack isn't there. So you probably go, oh, no. so we acted four or five years ago, that was a real thing coming through. Yeah, you're all going to get automated. It's going to replace you. It's actually, the, they're still saying, we went to Salesforce head office. The tech stack isn't there. There's businesses playing around with it, but the fundamentals around um, deep connection, uh, great advice, um, uh, and, and matching talent with clients is still just, just continuing to be mm, you know, in perpetuity. Drivers. Interesting, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, so I think that they were incredibly bullish on the sector, okay, and they also said that you got to see a flow of money into the industry from overseas, and we're already seeing it for those that read the papers and hear the news and that, okay, which then what they said is then you're seeing different business models get built, okay, and, and you're seeing people choose different paths, whether that be having capital partners, whether that be having PE, whether that being a, a, a corporatized owner, model and and it wasn't saying that um any nothing's right or wrong it's just different and it's a choice depending on what you want to build mm, that's yeah. fantastic and what, what what were the did you did you bring anything home in your kit bag and go right i'm going to put that into the business or was it that just consolidate your thinking our positioning and some growth areas absolutely came back so um a lot of this thinking around private families have complex needs and they want someone to partner with them along the journey. Yep. And there's a gap, the, the, the feeling that there is a gap in the market. Like this just further cemented that that opportunity is real and true. Yep. And it exists. Okay? Absolutely exists. Yeah. And they gave examples of it. Like when someone realizes their business or sells their asset, they often, they often have had a deep group of advisors up to them up to that moment. And even a corporate advisor who helps them sell it. Then what seems to happen is the client's sort of left on their own. Whereas right there and then they have a deep set of needs that need to now be met around um, preserving what they've built, making the, the capital last a generation, handing it down to the next generation, right? Filling their time and their, their finding fulfilment elsewhere and purpose elsewhere. Like all these complexities that family group requires. And it just felt that at times, you know, these life events are often trigger points that people need to need, need help on. Yeah, um, there's a huge intergenerational wealth transfer that I know we've spoken about fits. Um, there was a strong, you know, money in motion theme yep. that, that people are making decisions um, before they end up in the grave, grave and are actually handing down this capital and it's going to accelerate into even faster and it, and it might skip a generation, right, where what there's... What they're saying is there's a lot of stories where they've helped their kids out, they feel that's been done, now they want the capital to actually go to the next generation and maybe even further through, yeah. Um, There was a big piece around which I spoke about yesterday in our business about um, an opportunity that they feel there's still an underserviced needs of women, okay. Um, Women are running more businesses. 
um, they're they're becoming wealthier, their needs are different. And and there was a a feeling that um, a lot of advice businesses haven't properly understood those needs or not quite building um, a service proposition that caters for them. Hmm, Very interesting. Uh, I love the way you've touched on a few of those points there that are very close to my heart. You know, blatant plug for the significant advice network. Oh, uh, that, that absolutely fits, but I think it just could reconfirm. Yeah, yeah, it reconfirmed yeah. it. Did you see much on the integrated side in terms of accounting wealth integration? Good question. Um, they in a lot of ways have been investment focused, but now absolutely becoming far more broader in their thinking on it. Right. So a lot of the businesses that uh, the what they call them the RIAs or the registered advisors who have come out of the wirehouses. The wirehouses, yeah. Yeah. The thinking was really about, well, hang on, no, unless you got twenty five million dollars, we don't want to talk to you, right? And they charge a percentage based on that, which which yes. you know, but was it being advice led? Was it investment led? I guess that's a discussion for another day. Um, what they've now seen is the needs or the complexity of the client has shifted towards. They want more than just. You can manage my money. Yep. Yeah. So you are seeing now these groups with scale dial in broader advice offerings around them, whether it be legal, whether it be estate planning, whether it be debt services, whether it be accounting, whether it be tax, because the clients' demands and needs are there. And I think I think what's happening is the clients the clients only know what they know. And it wasn't until the, um, a momentum exists where people actually go, well, hang on, I understand instead of me having to go to 15 different people, I can go to one or two or one and get my needs met, right? And part of it was that you don't have to have all of that under your umbrella, right? If your role is to be a conduit, it's okay to be the conduit, mm. right? Help the, the client conductor. solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. the orchestra conductor, the, my, yeah. the sense mate. Yep. So that's I think that's right. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people got stuck on, well, that's got to sit within my walls. Yep. Right. And back to what the sort of point was, it was saying, well, hang on, if this is the real estate, then you've just got to connect it and it's client first and you believe in advice and you want the client to get the right outcome. You should be pulling in the right professional regardless of where they sit to fulfil yep. those needs. So, yeah? it's, you know, in our language, it's surround them with the right team. I think, I think that's right. Highest degree team for the highest degree of probability. Yep. yep. Lost degree of risk. No, that's great. Now, listen, I want to move on to your ownership structure because this has always intrigued me, but you've got a broad ownership structure inside the firm. Can you walk yep. us through that? Yeah, no problem. So just some metrics, uh, as, as Pete said, we're, we're, we're 100 people. That's uh, what 26 mil worth of rev uh, across accounting and, and, and wealth management. We've got 22 owners. Yep, we run basically what I would call a corporatized partnership model, okay? So we believe goodwill exists in our business as it does in, in, in other businesses, and, and therefore we run a share-based structure, okay? So what we do is we have an eligibility framework. We have a, um, you come on board, you become a shareholder. Um, they normally um, buy in and then, then build up to a certain level within the business. And then it's nearly like, well, now you've, you're at, your capital's now in, invested and, and into perpetuity. So we have, um, we have some, we're looking at this a bit further about the different generations we've got in the business. And the ability of actually doing this for a fair period of time is we've got some key learnings from it. 
right? So we actually have a, we have a valuation that occurs at, at, at 30 June every year. We have a valuation methodology that's applied through a shareholders agreement. We have shares, buyers and sellers that changes hands. We try and sell it. We get the accounts all done up to September. We then go about and, and transfer or transact all the changes between by Christmas. Incredible. I've got about a thousand questions about this, but why did you yeah. land on that model? What did it solve? What was the problem it solved for you? Uh, well, a couple of things. We believed that, well, currently at this point in time, um, we don't have any external investors in our balance sheet and we probably have more buyers than sellers, okay? Um, so we have liquidity in our stock. Fantastic. Um, if you, uh, Roy Roy was probably the big driver on this thinking, and, and but, but obviously the board all spoke about this. Um, we, we always thought that the right aspiring professional wants to be an owner. Okay. Sure. Um, that's what I wanted. That's what current owners wanted. So, so we thought um, it, it, it's upon us as the custodian to provide um, that opportunity for the generations um, into the future, right? right. And, and, and what we've just found is as we've played around with it and broadened even further, we're probably our views are we've created greater alignment without doubt retention strategies have improved. Okay, so people ask me, uh, Scott, you know, are you concerned about your best talent leaving you? And the answer straight away is no, right? They're in the tent. Um, and, and look, I'll overlay this. This is just the mechanics of that. We also have quite a strong, well, my, um, I, can, I can talk through our communication layers across the business. But um, no, and I go, and each one of those people, so I go, if there's 22 owners and they're running teams, you know, four to five people, that means I've just got to back ourselves that those 22 owners are all holding their talent aligned to our vision mm. and I've got 100 people rowing in the right way. Right? Oh, I can see on so many levels that you've spread the risk here. Uh, yeah. Oh, Spread the risk. Um, yeah. With clear intention. We we have non-revenue generators that are um, shareholders in the business. Yep. And and I think we need to continue to um, continue to embrace that thing. So it's dispelled this you know, fallacy about you need to be a senior partner to have equity in the firm. Uh, you've brought it down. And can I just ask a couple of questions? Yeah. Is, there a, the, is it the first level you need to be there two, three, four, five years, or is there a twenty-four months? Right. So, before you get invited in. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so this, yeah, sorry, here you go. Yep, yep. You can buy some and then you can buy some more each year based on whatever. Correct. Um, great. And then secondly, the question always comes up for me is, well, how, do you, how does this put you in a conflict situation if um, someone's not performing well and you want to get rid of them but they've still got their equity there yeah. or salary negotiations or, you know, does it become a bit convoluted or it's still pretty clear? Yeah, good, good, good question. So our REM, our REM frameworks and a REM committee is completely separate to our owners group, right? So our view on that is remuneration is a completely different discussion to ownership, right. okay? The two need to be separate, okay? Because we run a goodwill model, yep. right, where people buy in and pay, pay you know, for it. Yes. Um, then by design, their remuneration is based on their KPIs and their performance of doing their job. And the other component is about being an owner of the business. Yeah. Um, I have seen many, I don't have a problem with it because to me, I can clearly separate those two hats. Yep. Great. And okay. then you'll have, a, you'll have a stakeholder meeting and that'll talk about profit share or reinvestment yep. or new entrants, et cetera. Spot on. Yep. 
Yep. So so we will have um, we will have two shareholders meet shareholder um, updates a year. Um, we'll, we obviously have a board meeting that meets quarterly, and then we have the executive team and divisional meetings that occur uh, monthly. And then we have a huddle, which is a whole of business, which is every month as well. Right. right. How do you deal with the the person who says, "I love this business. I want to put, you know, half a million bucks in, or whatever. You know, I really want to take a big allocation in here." They're, they're just being so, capped. No, so this is exactly the the nuance that we're actually trying to work on right now. Okay. Because, um, so what we actually sat back and said is, and some, and this came some out of the US. Is it's a bit like it's it's the get rich slow scheme, right? <laughs> so you sit here and go, okay, a professional's at thirty two. Right? They want to get to the finishing line at 35. But no, no, no. So it's a, we've said it's, a, it's upon us to embark our knowledge to say, no, this is a journey and you need to be patient. And by the way, this is what it will look like if we use our historical returns. This is what it will look like at 40 for you, at 50 for you. And then when you transition your equity out, this is what it can look like if we use historical as a basis for future performance. Right. right. Now, you've got to expand that lens and really try and dial into what are the key key points and what role they need to play to try and ensure that we continue to have a sustainable, durable, profitable business. Yes. Okay? So be a good corporate citizen, help improve the business, look after your team, look after your clients, help grow your subset because if everyone's doing that, then the pie just keeps growing for everyone. No, I love it. And I love it's actually in action and working. Yeah, the 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 what we've what we've experienced, it is working. It's just probably now what we're saying is there's probably two elements. There's there's the we need and this is just us learning as we're going, right? Um, there's the resetting of expectations on the front end. Okay. Um, and just remember, Fitz, the actual the macro environment has been um pretty healthy for the past sort of, you know, six, seven, ten years, right? (laughs) Things can change when you have a few bumps. (laughs) So so our buyer's expectations, okay? And then then probably on the other end is our transitioning directors. Yes. Um, So to create liquidity and growth, you've got to make sure that you're continuing to create space within the business, okay, And, and, and within your stock. Mm. Uh, and to be honest, what, what, the other third thing that I'm actually now really trying to articulate better, and I think it is just the articulation, is this concept of what we call the growth people, which are probably the people in the middle. They've built their stock. They're now, you know, their real accelerated period of their their career. Yes. Right? Where they're going to really accelerate. You know, this feeling of they don't want to be diluted. Right? Yeah. Now, it's a concept of, well, are you being diluted or, or is it about percentages Yes. or is it about returns and actually owning a smaller share in something that's bigger, more sustainable and more valuable, yeah? So I think that's that's education, that's uh, alleviating people's fears, um, that's just something that we're working through. One more question. Yeah. That if I'm in there in growth phase and I'm bringing in a truckload of new business, Yep. Is there an expectation that I'll get a higher allocation? Of um, or is no, that you prove over a few years. Uh, you, there would be an. There's a balance between try, that what what is absolutely sure is you will be paid a definitive higher amount of salary. Okay, great. So it'd be a short term incentive. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're being rewarded for the very fact that you are you are outperforming in that regard. Yep. And then your equity composition will be will be balanced against all those other components. Right. Okay. And equally, because you could be on a build stage yep. versus there could be someone who's on a more, you know, stable, consistent stage. Yeah. The other Absolutely. thing fits is also I just think there's a whole lot of moving bits on it. But but equally, what we also know is often bringing on new business is actually less, less profitable business in the initial years. So yeah. you, that's just education to me. The guy that, or girl that's signing on a whole lot of work, they always look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, but I'm like, but this portfolio over here is actually a lot more profitable than your portfolio because we've had to hire this person, lost this person, do that. And you've got to overinvest in the relationship to build trust yep. in the early years. Yeah. I love it. love the way you think about that. So let's just move on. You've done a couple of acquisitions along the way as well. Yeah, yep. just quickly, has that been good, bad, indifferent? Um, they've been great, right? And we we continue to talk with with many parties about it. We're, we're trying to get far more clearer in our filter or lens on it Yep. because these things are time-consuming yep. and, and you've got to get them right. So we always go culture, intent, values first. Yep. Okay, understand alignment in relation to what we're building or that they, they subscribe to and want to be a part of. Yep. And then, of course, then the financial metrics. In all instances, we're brought across all members of staff. That's not to say all members of staff always choose to stay. That's, that hasn't always been the case, but we've had a high degree of success on that because we want talented people to be a part of something bigger. Yeah. And is that, uh, is that more wealth management or accounting and wealth management? We've think? done both. Yep. So we actually had a history of doing a lot of accounting acquisitions. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, then in the past 18 months, we've actually done our first two large wealth acquisitions. Yep. Great. Where, where to the benefit of one of them um, had two, two guys in their early 40s who are now being incredible running mates. Mm. They 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 are adding to the business in a huge way, right? And 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 that's that's great to see. You know? well, like, congratulations on all that. Now, listen, we're going to wrap up. There's there's been some gold in here though. Uh, <laughs> for everyone listening out there, I go, you know, like, mate, seriously, you're an exceptional human being. You you are the way you think about stuff. I love it, and I love hanging out with you. But I want you to think about what, what's the best habit do you think you've developed over over the years for you. In terms of ideal week or time management, or how do you keep your energy up? You must drink a lot of coffee. You always seem like you're high on something. <laughs> no, mate. Look, I'll look at two coffees a day. <laughs> um, I, I, look, uh, what was the question? Habit. What's your best yeah. habit? Like, you know, if someone's. Yeah. Okay, you know, I'll give you I don't a want to be Scott Young. I want to build yep. a business like him. Yep. What do you think is a habit that's kept you in good stead over your career? Yep. I, I'll give you a couple. I, I, I probably trust first. Okay, and, and, and that means that I, do, um, I don't do a lot of detail, but I empower the others and I trust them, right? Yep. Like I sign a lot of pages and a lot of documents, but I'm trusting that people are on it, and they are. Right? So I tr- I've always trusted first. I trust clients. I trust the people we work with. Um, I try and sweat every day, okay? I know that sounds a bit corny. But, you know, I think that helps in the reset. Like it helps moving out of work to relax zone, moving out of work yep. to father, husband, so, Great. Um, I know you're at the gym most mornings early. Yep. Yeah. I, so I use that to try and, you know, just, just do something. Now, sometimes do I go there and I run into someone and I talk, yeah, I don't try and judge myself, but I just try and go there. Over the last couple of years, I've tried to um, deliberately um, 
not cast judgment and go to positive first. Really easy to go to negative. Yep. Okay. And I think Craney, who's a guy who's been working with us, he, he puts it, he says, you know, breathe before you respond, don't respond. It's easy to respond. I probably responded a lot. Um, the other point is, is that I, I have, I, I do run a very structured week. Yep. And I actually try and run a very structured year here. Yep. So, for example, I've booked in all my holidays next year. And I've probably done that now for five or six years Yep. where I try and run for 10 or 12 weeks then have something to look forward to, run for 10 or 12 weeks, something to look forward to, right? Yep. Um, so I think that's helped try and break down into seasons, if that makes sense. No, no, for sure. Four, yeah, we call it four and 40 in our, our world. Four oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, they're, they're probably the main that's things. Right. And, mate, I always ask people, what's the one word? If you had to put a word on a rock for the year, for your next 12 months, what would that word be as a lens to look through for your life? Yeah, good, good, good question. Um, I'd probably say connection. Hmm. Great. What does that mean to you? Slow down, understand people build relationships things move very fast and i think it's it's the glue that holds everyone together if you if you if you're connected if you have a relationship um it's not transactional it's just it's trying to say that, that that's the glue to me yeah in all aspects of your life with your friends with your family with your work colleagues with your clients oh mate that is a fantastic way to finish this podcast. <laughs> You've been unreal, mate, and I've loved that. I've loved all the story of how you guys built the business, your leadership style, your learnings from the US, your ownership structure. You've been very forthcoming, mate. I really, I really want to thank you. It's been great. Appreciate it, Fitzy. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the GAP podcast. We've now developed the Essentials Package for advisors. It's the Collaterals video and training for you to work in this high net wealth space. Also, we're running a course for those who want to work with significant families and significant individuals. For more information, go to thegaff.com.au.